in the book of Matthew. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 10. And I don't know, we'll see how this goes today. We're going over the deep end, okay? We're going out on a limb. We're going somewhere unique. Let's look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. We'll read the first eight verses. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter. His brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip, and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, who's actually the author of the book that we're reading. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon the Zealot and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go... Proclaim this message, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons, freely you have received, freely give. I find this interesting that Jesus is telling his disciples to go out and do the very things that he just did. He had just cleansed a leper. He had just raised a dead girl. He had just cast out demons. He had just healed the sick. He had demonstrated to them the power and authority of the kingdom. And then he pairs them up two by two and says, now you go out and do the same thing. Okay, so you still with me? Are you ready? Is there anything that jumps out in you that's like troubling to you? Like how about if I gave you an assignment today to go out and raise the dead? Yeah, right. What? And the question really for us becomes, is it Scripture? Is it the Bible? Is, does God intend us to do those kinds of things? Is that something that he has in his heart for us? I am not encouraging us to go around running look, looking for people who have expired to raise from the dead. That's not kind of the way it works. I mean, we, we, I'm going to talk about resurrection from the dead today, just so you know. Yesterday... We buried Artie's mom. Her mother was 79, 70, 70, almost 79. And she had a long battle with Alzheimer's, and we put her in the grave. And so today, I'm going to hit back and talk about resurrection. Okay? It's, it's in the scripture that we're reading, and so we want to talk about this. I... Jesus told his disciples to go out and do these things. He says, stay in Israel. Don't go beyond the borders of Israel and speak to the, to the children of Israel and, and minister to them. And so they do that. And they're to raise the dead. The resurrection is the foundation of our faith. If there is no res- resurrection of the dead, our faith is futile. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead then we're wasting our time. That's how significant and important and foundational the resurrection is. And I find it interesting that Jesus came and said, okay, I'm going to heal the sick, I'm going to raise the dead, I'm going to cleanse lepers, I'm going to cast out devils, I'm going to demonstrate the kingdom in power and authority to show you what the kingdom is made of and the authority that the kingdom has. 
Now, here's the, here's the deal. As I've thought about this, and I thought of another way to explain this. Um, Adam was given authority over the earth. When he was created and placed in the garden, God gave him authority and dominion over the earth, over everything. And so I've wondered, well, how far did that authority go? Well, it went over everything. So that when he fell and sinned, everything that came under a curse had originally been under his authority. And so so what do I mean by that? Let's just imagine that you work in a factory that, that assembles automobiles. And your job is to supervise the construction, the building, the assembly of the engine. That's all you're responsible for. So you have to make sure that the parts are there. You have to make sure that your workers are trained, that they put the thing together properly. And everything works so that when the car goes out the door, the engine starts and it runs and doesn't fall apart. That's your area of responsibility. You're the supervisor. So cars start going out the factory, and the wheels start falling off. Are they going to come to you and say, you didn't do your job? No, you didn't have responsibility for the wheels. You had responsibility for the engine. So if there's an area of responsibility you don't have any control over, you're not responsible for it. So when I think about everything that Adam, he was given dominion over the earth everywhere, everywhere that we see the effects of the curse are places that are things that Adam originally had dominion over. So when we see sickness and disease, when we see evil and pain and suffering and every evil thing are all things that were under his thumb and under his control And he lost that. He forfeited to Satan. And so Jesus comes along, and what Jesus is demonstrating and wants to demonstrate is that that authority that was lost, he's regaining, he's recovering, he's getting it back. For whom? Us. For us. He's getting it back for us. Okay, I'm going to tell you a couple short stories this morning. I'm going to give you, I'm going to show you a video too about modern-day resurrections from the dead. My, my son-in-law, Gaston, is from Argentina. And he has a sister that lives in England, and her husband lives there, too. <laughs> and he has a job being the sound man for Reinhard Bonnke. Reinhard Bonnke is a German evangelist that has traveled around the world. He's seen up to three million people come to Christ in one meeting in Africa. I can't even imagine that. But in the early 2000s, uh, uh, an incident occurred where there was a, a, a pastor and his wife that got a prophetic word from the Lord about the things that they were going to be doing in serving the Lord. This fellow's name was Daniel. I can't pronounce his last name. But they got a prophetic word that they were going to be ministering and doing a lot of things, and he was in a car accident and died. And you can go online, and you can, I, I Googled it this morning again, type in Reinhard Bonnke, resurrection from the dead, and it's all there. You can actually watch the video. This fellow was killed, and the wife thought, wait a minute, we got a prophetic word. <laughs> it says we're going to be doing this, 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 and this, and that's not happening with my husband dead. So 
she, there's a bunch of things that happen. They actually, they don't embalm a body over in, in Africa, they, but they inject chemicals into the body to slow down decay. So he had been injected with chemicals that would slow down decay. She went, got his body, took the coffin. She heard that Reinhard Bonnke was going to be at a church, so she gets him, loads him in a pickup truck, and drives to the meeting where Reinhard Bonnke is having a meeting. And she gets there, and I think it was just like a wooden box coffin. It wasn't a fancy kind of coffin. And she, she gets to the church, and she goes up to the church. The meeting's upstairs. There's, there's a floor down below. And she says, I need to get my husband in there. And then the, some of the men say, well, where is he? Well, he's out in a box out in the back of my pickup truck. They said, you're crazy. Get out of here. They didn't know. She could have had a bomb. She could have had who knows what. And so she talked and talked. She said, I know that if I get my husband in there, he'll come back to life because we have a word from the Lord, and I am not going to be denied. And so finally, they let her bring her husband in. They laid him on a table. He'd been dead for about three days. Reinhard Bonnke is upstairs. Oh. Gaston's brother-in-law was in that service, too. He was upstairs when all this was going on downstairs. Never knew it. Didn't know it. They never took the, the guy upstairs. They just laid it. I know, it's crazy. Praise God, it's crazy. So they waited. And they waited. And they waited, and all of a sudden, he started breathing. He started moving, and he got up off the table, raised from the dead. And they have video of the guy talking. Now, there's all kinds of other websites that say this is crazy. But who could believe that? You know, Christians. <laughs> Sad to say. So that's one story. The second story I'm going to tell is when I was in Brazil in 2005, I went with Global Awakening to Brazil on a missions trip. And when we got there, we were told that we were going to Volto Redondo, which was a city in Brazil, that there was a, a fellow there at the church that we were going to interview. We are going to meet him. That previous July, I went in December, that previous July, he had died. He was dead for five hours. He was in the morgue of the city and came back to life. And so what I'm going to show, oh, go to the, the, the picture of me first. There is me with Francisco, the guy in the middle. He's the guy that died, and I have a, just an interview of him. That's his son next to him, so that's, you can tell that's me, right? Uh, just to document it. And so the fellow that is interviewing Francisco is Tom Rutolo, who used to be the trip organizer uh, for Global Awakening. And Tom was a guy who would go ahead and make the arrangements and everything. But Tom's also a guy who, um, on one occasion, my daughter Nikki was in Brazil. She went with their youth power invasion to Brazil. And she had a finger. Her finger was crooked. Not bad, but noticeably crooked. And one day, the team that they had, it was a bunch of teenagers, they're loading on the bus to go to a place of ministry, and Tom is standing by the door, checking off names, making sure everybody's there. And he goes, this, wait a minute, I just got a word of knowledge. Does somebody have a problem with their pinky finger? And Nikki's like, What? And she says, well, it's, mine's crooked. It's always been crooked. I've been a little embarrassed about that. He says, here, let me pray for it. So he takes a hold of it, and he prays, and it's straightened out. <laughs> so that's Tom. Go ahead. Let's watch the video. It's about 15 minutes long, um, but it's worth watching. 
they interviewed his wife and they asked what was going what was going on at the time was anyone praying for him and they were praying at the church that week while he was in a coma uh, part of the preamble to all of that was that his family went to church but he did not he used to drop them off and just do what he wanted to do was not involved in church <clears throat> Riding his bicycle, he fell. He actually still has a little bit of a concave on his skull where he hit. But what happened, they continued to pray, and at 4 o'clock that morning, he died, and they were notified. And one of the pastors had gone to the hospital, couldn't get in, walked around the hospital, pouring oil out, anointing and praying. And five hours later, he woke up. He had cotton stuffed in his nose, cotton in his mouth. And uh, when he started breathing, the nurse that was there ran out of the room. <laughs> Because they don't usually see that. And uh, what happened after that is the doctors um, came in and gathered around him, and they're looking at him, and they're looking at his chart, and they're trying to figure out what's going on, and they told him to get up and walk. And so he walked, and they're watching him while he walks to see if he loses his balance. They're trying to figure out exactly what happened. They understood the, the amount of brain damage that he had. And what eventually happened is that they took his medical records to Sao Paulo, which he briefly mentioned, and there was a convention of about 2,000 doctors, and they presented his case to them. And their only conclusion was it was a miracle because he was, he was, he was dead. And now he's very involved in the church. <laughs> now, whether he was saved or not, I don't know. It seems to me that he wasn't because of the presence of the demons when he was, was there, and, and it wasn't his time, and Jesus brought him back. Resurrection from the dead. One other story I want to tell you, and you can read this if you want. If you get a book by Mel Tari, I don't know if you've ever heard of Mel Tari. Uh, like a Mighty Wind is the book that he wrote. He's from Indonesia. Back in the 70s, early 70s, there was a revival, kind of a revival, an outbreak of the Spirit, of the Spirit in Indonesia, and Mel Tari was part of all that. And he tells miracle after miracle after miracle things that happened. And as a matter of fact, as they've interviewed him in our country since then, he said, I didn't even, I didn't even put the most fantastic miracles in because we were certain nobody in America would believe us if we told you what happened. So there was this occasion where God had a plan for them, and he wanted them to send a team from their village to another village. And it was about a three-day walk. And so they got their team together. It was about 20 or 30 people, and they're walking to this other location, and they walked one day, and they came to a river. And the river was about 300 yards across, and from what they understood, the local people was anywhere to fi from 15 to 20 feet deep. And so they decided to stay there the night, and they would cross the river the next day and, and go on. You can actually, if you Google this, you can watch the video of Mel actually saying this on, on YouTube. Um, and so they... They, um, they decided to wait, but one of the elders, one of the leaders of their group said, you know what, the Lord just told me we're supposed to cross the river now. We need to go now. And they're like, well, how do we cross the river? So I don't know, but all I know is the Lord says that we're supposed to get that, to that village and we're supposed to preach the gospel, so we need to go. So there were a couple brave souls that actually went to the edge of the water and started walking into the river and they walked across the river. The water never got over their knees. So everybody else followed. And they went across the river, on the other side, and kept going. 
And what happened when they got to that village is that someone had died. And they began praying and singing. I think they sang hymn after hymn. And when they got to the seventh hymn, that person who had been dead came back to life. So they came back and they had to cross the river again. And they found out that there were some local people who wondered where this group went. How did they get across the river? And somebody said, well, I saw them. They walked across the river. He said, well, how did they walk across the river? It's too deep. So some of the locals tried to follow them, and they almost drowned. And here's the crazy part about that whole story. The people in the team didn't even know that a miracle had happened. They thought that the river was just this deep. It wasn't until they came back and they found out that it was 15 to 20 feet deep that they realized that God wanted them to get to that village, gave them a miracle, and off they went. So anyway, and the purpose of that was take the gospel to that village, and when that person was raised from the dead, everybody in that village came to Christ. And so those are the kinds of things that go on when the power of God is released, where the resurrection power of Jesus is released. And so what, so what am I saying? I, resurrection is the foundation of our faith. Does Jesus want to raise everybody? Well, I have a feeling he wants to raise a lot more than are being raised. But I believe that what's happened is that we've lost territory to the enemy, and God wants us to retake it. He wants us to go wherever there's darkness and bring light. Wherever there's sickness, he wants us to bring healing. Wherever there's demonic influence, he wants us to break the power of the enemy and send those demons fleeing. Wherever there's oppression, he wants us to bring freedom. Where there's death, he wants us to bring life. And I think that what we've done is that we've, as the church, we've wanted to be safe, we've wanted to be comfortable, and we've gotten the kind of attitude where we have more confidence or we have more, we put more stock in our experience than in the Word of God. And instead of pressing in and pressing in and pressing in and bringing our experience up to the level of Scripture, we try to dumb Scripture down and say, well, that was back then, that was Jesus, that was his disciples. We hear all those excuses. I want to be a church that fights for what the Bible says we have. That's what I want to be. I want to be a church that fights for those kinds of things because I, because I believe that what Jesus did on the cross is that he went and he not only paid for sin, but he took away the authority that Satan had stolen from Adam. And as far as, that, as far as we see the curse, that's the level or the limits or the boundaries or the parameters of where we're supposed to have authority. Now, we're not real good at, at standing in our place. But we're pressing to get better at it and better at it and better at it and better at it. We pray for healing. We believe in raising the dead in this church. We believe it. We haven't seen it yet, but we believe it. I'll tell you how much we believe it. When we lost our son, Ben, 
five and a half years ago. We really believed that God was able to raise him from the dead. And they took him to the funeral home. And I went to the funeral home. We said, can we have people here praying? As long as you're open, can we have people here praying? And we did. We had worship music playing in the funeral home right there at his body. We had a fellow named John who um, went to another church but knew us. And he was there almost all the time praying, praying, praying for the resurrection, for, for Ben to come back to life. I went. Gail was there. Sharon was there. Others were there. Many of us were there. would go and pray and pray and pray and pray. And when we had Ben's service, they asked us how we want to do it. We had it at McCunchy Memorial Park, and we had his body in the, in the, the main building for a time of viewing. And then we had the service was outside by the band shell. And we brought it down, and they said, well, do you want open casket or closed casket? We said, we want it open. They said, well... We can't have it open too long because refrigeration and he might not look as good. And we said, we want that thing open. Because if God raised from the dead, we want to see him. We know I'm locked in there. I want to tell you, we were believing. We were believing for God to raise him from the dead. He didn't come out. He's buried next to his grandmother. We just buried his grandmother next to him. They're having a party in heaven. He's probably showing her all over the place. But anyway... We, we believe in resurrection. Now, some people have said that most of the folks that are raised from the dead are those that aren't believers. And that would seem to make the most sense, that maybe somebody who dies and experiences what Francisco experienced, and, and they come back, they have a chance to, ch- to make things right. But you know what? There are people in Scripture that were Christians that were raised from the dead. Dorcas was one that Peter raised from the dead. It was a woman whose works went before. She did a lot of good works, and they were upset that she had actually died. And Peter went up, and she raised her from the dead. So I, they're... Now, I've heard, if you've ever heard Patricia King, she said she's told people, she said this publicly, if I die, don't pray for my resurrection. <laughs> I want to stay. Uh, the story's told of Smith Wigglesworth. You ever heard, heard of Smith Wigglesworth? His wife died three times. He kept praying for her to come back. Finally, the third time, she said, would you stop that? Let me stay there. It's wonderful. Please, let me stay there. See, he walked in an authority where it was just common for him. Oh, I do have another story. How many of you heard of Heidi Baker? You know Heidi Baker. Heidi Baker and her husband, Roland, have a ministry in Mozambique. They were missionaries for years, and they really struggled in Africa for years. Thirteen years they were um, working, trying to plant churches. And I think in 13 or 15 years, they planted two churches. And then she needed a break. She was burned out, and she went to Toronto. And Randy Clark was there, and the Toronto revival was going on, and she came forward and and Randy spoke prophetically over her and he asked her a question. He said, do you want Mozambique? And she said, yes. He said, the Lord's given you Mozambique. And he said, you're going to train pastors and you're going to anoint and set up 12 of them that are going to be helping you and they're going to raise the dead. It was a word that he spoke to her. And she got so plastered by the Holy Spirit that she couldn't walk on her own for seven days, if you know what I mean. The power of the Spirit just came over her. She couldn't walk. 
She couldn't do anything for herself. She needed people to take her out anyway. In the last, I don't know, 10 years since that time, they've planted hundreds of churches all throughout Mozambique. They run orphanages. You have to read her story. She appointed 12 past, well, much more than that now, but she originally led 12 Mozambicans to the Lord, and they became pastors in their villages, and she anointed them. And many of them have raised the dead. They've gone to other villages, and they've come across dead people, and they've prayed for them. They've come back to life. Now, here's the... Here's, you saw the video of Francisco. And I see he was raised from the dead. And, and anybody that sees that would go, how do I know he was dead? Look at him. He's very alive. <laughs> That's like when somebody's healed. Unless you have documentation, how do you prove it? And so there's always those doubters. But you know what? That, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We don't need to prove anything. The, pe- the person who comes back from the dead or the person that heal, is healed, it means everything to them. And so I want to be a church that stands for the truth of the word. I want to keep pressing into it. I think the enemy tried to take us out. Like he'll try to take anybody out who wants to serve the Lord and follow him and do what he calls him to do. I want to try to discredit us and humiliate us and try to get us to give up. Well, I got news for him. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. I believe that what he's called us to do, we're going to see it. We're going to see it, and we're going to keep pressing for it. We're going to keep pressing for it. We're going to keep praying and praising and worshiping and, and seeking the Lord. And, and so what am I saying? That Let's all run out and look for somebody. I remember Randy saying, you know, some people pray, I want to, I want to see the dead raised. It's, well, you know what, what needs to happen to raise the dead? We need somebody to die. And Randy said, anybody volunteering? (laughs) And the issue is not that we're going to run around looking for people that are dead. The issue is that we go about living our lives, and when God presents us with an opportunity where we see the impact and influence of the enemy, and we say, no, whatever it is. See, I'm starting at the top. Resurrection for the dead is probably... The thing that we see is at the top of the list, and everything else is kind of underneath that. So we're going to start there and work our way down, not start at the easy stuff and work our way up, okay? Whatever, whatever. But the thing is that we need to take the opportunities that he presents to us and pray. Just pray. We don't know what he's going to do. I don't know what he's going to do in any and every situation. I don't know. But if I never pray... I know for, for sure one thing, if I don't pray, nothing will happen. But if I do pray, at least there's the possibility that something amazing will happen. And I believe that the more we're faithful in praying and the more faithful we are in sharing God's love with other people, the more he'll give us those opportunities. The broader and wider the door will open. And I believe that Jesus was setting the stage for his own resurrection so that people would have at least the mindset that could that possibly be true? He raised the dead there. The synagogue leader's daughter, he raised from the dead. And now they're claiming that he rose from the dead. 
Now, his resurrection was unique because he rose from the dead, never died again. All those that have been raised either have or will die eventually again. But he was the first one. Where it says the firstborn among many brethren. Others had been raised. The man who died in the Old Testament, they threw him in the grave and he touched the bones of the prophet, came back to life. <laughs> See, God loves to do that. Resurrection is something I think God likes to do. He loves to mess with us. He loves to mess with people. He's like Jehovah Sneaky, right? Get rid of that intellectual stuff that we hang on to. Anyway, we sang a song. First song, I believe in the resurrection. Believe in the resurrection. And I believe that God wants to demonstrate, let people know the reality of his kingdom, the power of his kingdom, and what that kingdom entails, what encompasses it, what's part of it. And it's not simply resurrection from the dead. It's authority over the effects of the kingdom of darkness and taking that authority back.